Hey, Dan, so you wanted to talk about tires, is that right? Hey, Matt. Yeah, I thought we should talk about tires this year. There are some changes to the way okay. tires are being used in a whole, you know, kind of a whole bunch of things. So this is kind of an ongoing, you know, continual thing. Sure. Okay, so I think the most interesting thing in... It bears discussion, you know, we'll, we'll see what you think. But so in qualifying, they've changed the rules in qualifying so that in Q1, you, you have two sets of hard compounds that you have to run on. Okay. That you can, you cannot use mediums or soft. You don't have to use both sets, but you know, people are going to, I'm sure. Sure. And then in Q2, you have two sets of mediums and in Q3, two sets of softs. Okay. So it's going to be interesting. So what that's going to prevent is, for example, if you have a team that typically struggles to get out of Q1 and they do so by putting on their soft tires when everybody else is running harder medium, they're not going to be able to get out of Q1. So that's going to be a deficit. I didn't consider that part of it. Because you you mentioned this in last episode briefly in passing. And at the time, my my initial impression was like, yeah, it's probably a, a decent change. But that was one aspect of it I had not considered. So right, basically right. no more Williams sneaking into Q3. <laughs> like, <laughs> eh, probably not, you know, yeah. unless they do well with the, uh, you know, compound per, you know, whichever qualifying session. Sure, on. sure. Now, it does, it is interesting because then, you know, the tires that aren't used are available to them during the race. Right, okay. So they have more sets of softs and mediums to use. Yeah, if they can't make it out of Q1 during, you know, qualifying, then they're not going to use their mediums or softs. So So that was the other thing I was going to ask. How does that change the allocations for the weekend? Do you still only have two sets of hard for the weekend, or are they giving you more? It's kind of an interesting question. Last year, they were given 13 sets to use in total. Uh Uh-huh. I think that was for the race. I think they had different allocations for quality. So, but now for the race, you're down to 11. So you're down to 11 sets of tires overall for the race. Okay. And we'll get to that, but sprint races change that. (laughs) Sure, sure. No, I was under the impression that you were given a set of however many sets of tires of varying compounds for the entire weekend. So for practice, quality, and the race. Is that that a miss? misunderstanding i don't think so i think that's the way it was previously okay okay and that was 13 sets so now you're given 11 but it is for the race itself i understand so i'm not sure if the tires from quality can come over to the race or not it's a good question Uh, okay okay and it's and honestly everybody's got a slightly different take on it and some of these things were developed over time so sure sure but but you know the interesting thing is that you have to run hards in Q1, you have to run mediums in Q2, and you have to run softs in Q3, which most people were doing anyway. So right. they're going to come out on one set of softs, for example, in Q3, and they'll do their initial time you know, before the break, and then they'll take a break, and then mm-hmm. they'll come back out for the final session and do, you know, want a new set of softs, and then, you know, that sort of thing. And then on sprint race weekends, since you don't have a traditional qualifying, since you're, the sprint race itself is the qualification, you're given an extra set of soft tires. But at the end of the sprint race, whatever set of tires had the most miles on them has to be returned to Pirelli. 
So you have 12, but then for the race, you only have 11. <laughs> okay. That's so they, they keep it at 11. So I'm pretty sure that 11 is the total overall, including quality, you know, the quality tires and the race tires this year. They're just mandating which compounds can be used in quality. Sure. Yeah. So for the sprint weekends, there's the more traditional air quotes qualifying that happens on Friday for the sprint. Is that the same new rules of hards in Q1, mediums in Q2, softs in Q3? Or is I'm that... going to guess that it is. Okay. I'm going to guess that it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but yeah, that's the, uh, it, it's interesting because like yeah. you said, you have to start thinking about what this means for the other teams because you know how some teams like to run hard tires early on. And you know, the, as far as changing, you still have to change compounds once in a race that hasn't changed. Right. Well, what I think is interesting about this is that hards have to be used in qualifying where they very, very, very rarely would show up in qualifying at all. So that's an interesting change. Yeah, they yeah, exactly. So that is going to be interesting. I mean, I think they did at some point when they were testing other things on the car. Sure. Because they didn't want to wear out their other tires. So But not for a hot lap, right? Like No, no, no. Yeah. Usually not for a hot lap. Now, and this has always been the case, but what's also interesting is they last year they ran with five different compounds that they would choose from to choose soft, hard, medium. There's six compounds for this year. They added oh, a that's hard, right. yeah. a harder hard tire. Okay. And what's interesting is that, you know, and I, and this is I always been the case, but I'm not sure everybody was really, you know, you, you think that these tires come from the factory painted red and, you know, you have a soft tire <laughs> for the whole season. That's not true. So for example, right. a, a soft tire in one race could be the hard tire in the next race. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're called C1 and through now C6, I would imagine. Actually, so it's... it's the opposite. They win zero relative. So it's C0 okay. through C5. Through C5. Okay, yeah, okay. C for compound and the zero right. relative. So they added, and the lower the number, the harder the tire. So C0 gotcha. is the new hard tire. C1 is hard. And then there's some designation of medium and soft in between there. Or or at least compounds that are, you know, they vary in degrees, right? And mm -hmm, then they mm -hmm. determine which one is the soft and which one's the medium and the hard, depending on the track. Right, right. So, yeah, a hard tire you know, for Monaco might be a soft tire at Coda, for example, that sure. might help people to understand, you know, sure. because a hard, hard, hard tire at Monaco is going to be useless. But if you have a big track with, you know, huge sweeping turns and yeah, you're going to need a harder, hard tire. So right. that's, that's how that works. <laughs> so. How many hard, hard tires are we talking here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm guessing that there's, there's three hards now, two two that'll generally be mediums and two that are on the softer side. So I think the uh, the sixth edition was on the hard side. That's what I've read. Okay, okay. So, so one more quick point about the qualifying change before yeah. we get too far away from that. Sure. You could kind of look at that as, oh, that's one more thing that the FIA isn't allowing the teams to have control over, right? And that's that's fair. But on the other side, you could look at it as, this is now another challenge that the teams have to deal with and how they deal with that or how well they deal with that adds to the strategy of the overall weekend. And I think you could look at it from either side. I'm not exactly sure which side I fall on that specifically, but broadly speaking, I think it's a good change, but we'll have to wait and see. 
Well, my take on it is, and we'll see what you think of this. Okay. <laughs> that, that, you know, you're approaching it from a interesting standpoint, a logical standpoint. <laughs> however, however, comma, what's really driving this is the um, commitment that the FIA has made to be, you know, like a zero carbon neutrality position by 2030. So this is coming from a standpoint of sustainability. Well, okay, that's fair. So they're just they're doing this so so that fewer tires are used. So that's fair. The sustainability, yeah, it's driving it in the sense that they want to use fewer tires. Okay. You know, because there's a lot that goes into making tires. They're made with oil and everything else. And sure. The the tires there's a chance, you know, that you could scrub a pair of tires in and never use it, but you're not gonna it's not gonna make it over to the next race. And you sure. know, if you're and you're not gonna use you know, you may go to your quality tires in the race, you may not. So there's a lot of waste when it comes to tires. But true. Is our t- tires <laughs> the Number one priority, you know, there's other things like the jets that they use to fly these things all over the place and things like that. I mean, there's sure, you know, like in one sense, you have the FIA increasing the calendar, forcing people to travel right. by, by jet. To yeah, even... that's a bit of what cognitive dissonance that I I think I right. just kind of don't get with this. But at the same yeah. time, if there is an opportunity to lower things, have better sustainability I mean, you, you you could take it. I mean, what's the harm in taking that? Yeah, I think my, my point is something like, you know, people, you know, and, and this is something that goes on. It's in the news all the time. You know, sure. there'll be people that fly on their private jets sure. to, to talk about global warming. And they're right. saying that, you know, that, that n- nobody should fly, but they all do. And right. that, that's been in the news many, many times. I'm not commenting one way or the other on it. You know, but at the same time, you know, it's it's like the, you know, the not in my backyard type mentality. Like, you know, you have to be sustainable, but I don't have to. So, right, right. you know, if you and so, you know, I, I think what I'm getting at is what this looks like to me is something visible that the FIA can talk about in regard to sustainability. Uh, but yeah, but they're not if they really wanted to achieve true sustainability, they would be looking at multiple things, including the number of races per season. Frankly, they should be yeah. lowering it. Yeah. Or at least having the calendar more efficient so that you're hitting geologically close or geographically, sorry, geographically closer uh, tracks in succession rather than flying all over the place all the time, which is currently how it's set up. So, yeah, I mean, they kind of do that with the European circuit, but they don't do it entirely. They don't do it entirely. So, and I, I agree, you know, they should be, you know, and there's weather reasons and things you might not want to do that. And, but at the same time, you know, if you're, it's one of these things like they're they're it's almost like they're giving lip service to sustainability and then and penalizing the teams as as opposed to taking it on seriously and looking at things like travel sure and and the number of races so in that sense it's frustrating to me yeah because it's it's not what they say it is and so they can go oh we're promoting sustainability we're going to limit the number of tires and then in the meantime, you know, like right. the, the bureaucracy of the FIA grows, you know, by right, leaps right. and bounds every year. <laughs> yeah. 
and, yeah, no, you that's know, fair. All, all this other stuff. So, I mean, the whole thing to me, all the regs should be shrank, you know, if I had my way. <laughs> and and they would probably, they, they'd limit the number of races to 18 or 19 or something reasonable and, you know, and then give, but give the teams more freedom at the same time and kind of leave the teams alone and let them race and then do other things that I'm sure would achieve more net neutrality or not net neutrality, but whatever they're called. Right, right, right. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So, so back to the, the main point though, kind of sustainability aside, where do you fall sure. you, when you look at this change of how qualifying is going to play out? Do you like it? Do you think it's probably not a good idea? Where, where are you at? I, it seems again, like in, I don't necessarily see the point of it. Hmm. I don't know why you would say you have to run hards here other than to limit the number of tires, which is specifically right. a sustainability issue. So it, it it all does go back to sustainability. I don't think it's a racing issue. Right. And because of that, I kind of don't like it. I just think the team should have a set of, they should have a certain set of tires and they, it's up to them how they want to use them either in quality or in practice or in the race. It's up to you guys. You know? I mean, on principle, I agree with that. I think as many yeah. decisions as you can leave up to the team as possible, the better, but yeah, but your point is valid. Your previous point that it does add a layer of complexity that the teams have to deal with. So mm-hmm. that is interesting. But at the same time, then they're forcing the teams to take up bandwidth in regard to strategy on dumb things like this. So, yeah. <laughs> so that they're, they don't have as much, you know, time to devote to strategy during the race, perhaps, or other things, you know, so because the teams the teams have limited money and they have you know and which decreases every year too by the way sure and then, but that's another challenge for them to overcome and you could look at that as a positive thing i don't know i know it's artificial in a way but yeah yeah so. well because like you, previously like last year you didn't hardly need to unless it was going to be unless you're going to race on the hard tire which some tracks you did some tracks you didn't but sure. if you were at a track where you didn't need to race on the hard tire, you didn't need to do much any much of any practice time around the hard tire. Whereas now you you are forced to run some amount in practice on all three compounds rather than focusing your time on one or two of them. Yes. And that could be a negative because ah, we really don't care about that. We just want to focus on the ones that we're going to run during the race. Fair enough. But you could look at that as the guy the the team that gets all three of those right is the team that's going to go the furthest in qualifying and could end up having a much better race because of it so yeah in 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 theory and the only thing that'll differentiate that again is the faster cars you're you're not you're going to have the same group of people going from q1 into q2 q2 into q3 now if there's a a rain weekend that's going to change everything which is always fun so we can only hope for the, the amount of rain <laughs> this year we had yeah. last year. Uh, if I love rain races, so I had a great year. Dude, we year. had a lot of rain races last year. Yeah, that was, was fun. It was a lot of fun. We didn't have as many as I would have liked, but we still had a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But, yeah. you know, but yeah, so that's it. it let's, well, well, again, as with all these things we talk about, like we talked about the sprint races before they happen, and then mm-hmm. we kind of had differing opinion. Now we both kind of like them. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. 
All right. So anything else about tires then? Oh, there was one other thing. Okay. And and, and this kind of goes without saying this happens every year, but it's just worth noting that we're on year two of the 18 inch tire. Uh huh. And so they have redesigned Pirelli has redesigned the 18 inch tire to assist in limiting porpoising and the bouncing of the front end. Do you know the details of that? A little bit. They've made the outer edges stiffer. Okay. And then they've tried to keep the, like the uh, surfaces in contact to the road more consistent by doing that. Okay. So the tires shouldn't flex as much in corners because the, the, Basically, with the the porpoising was having a negative effect on the tires in, in the sense mm-hmm. that the sidewalls were kind of folding in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they've stiffened the sidewalls of the tires to prevent that. But here's the interesting thing: we don't really know what that means because they've they've raised the ride height of the cars 15 millimeters. So is that going to be an issue or not? Or is oh, that yeah. stiffness going to make the cars porpoise a little more? Yeah. Who knows, you know, so we're, you know, but it should only affect them in corners. So it, it's probably the right thing to do. And they've, you know, they've already, they started testing that late last year. Mm. And I think October at a couple of the races, you know. Oh, I do remember those, that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. So, and they did it. They, they kind of got rained out at one. So they finished it at Coda, you know. Yeah. But that'll be, it'll be interesting to see where they're at with that and how that works. I think tire development is continually changing. So I'm just highlighting this year what the goals of the change changes were. So that kind of thing. But yeah, that's mm. that's the last thing I had on it. So Alrighty. Well, so yeah, we're gonna do a bit of a rapid fire here of a couple of small topics that we found during the week. So okay. first one up is a headline I saw. <laughs> and this may be slightly taken out of context, but I did look at the article and I don't really think it is. So this was a headline. It says, Horner, Andretti would bring more value than, quote, some of the existing teams. <laughs> and I'm I like, is he wrong? I disagree with him. Is I saw wrong? that too. <laughs> now, he's tweaking Ferrari and, and, and Mercedes by doing this. Sure, yeah. But he's not wrong either. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's funny that he is talking out in favor of Andretti, even if it's kind of, I don't know, backhanded or not backhanded, but not directly. Yeah, it, it wasn't necessarily like a positive. It was kind of a, you know, a somewhat of a cheeky retort to the people right, that right. Are complaining about it. Yeah. So I, I do find that interesting, though, that he doesn't seem to be against Andretti, at least not that much, whereas a lot of other teams are. Maybe it's because he's like, we're the top dog right now. We're we don't care. I don't know. But well, I, I think it goes back to our previous point we were talking about last week is I said, you know, one of the reasons that Ferrari and Mercedes are probably complaining about Andretti is they don't need any more competition. Oh, yeah. And I think this was Horner's way of saying the same thing. Yeah. It was just his cheeky way of saying, well, they would probably be better than like Aston Martin or, you yeah. know, I think they <laughs> would hit the grid running. I really do. Yeah. And I think the other teams that are playing catch up right now, like like to them, Red Bull is enough. And you bring in Andretti and they're like, we may never get back to the top. So, mm, yeah, yeah. 
so uh, certainly Total Wolf, the last thing he needs is more competition <laughs> after the year they had last year, right? Well, and Ferrari doesn't want that right now either. No, they're, they're kind no, of rebuilding they around the They Vassour. don't need it either. Yeah. Because Red Bull right now, you know, for the last two years have been dominant. I see no reason why that's going to be different in 2023. So, <laughs> you know, I, so it is kind of funny. And so I think Horner's kind of having fun yeah. with that comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And yeah. you had a topic about Mohammed Ben Salim. I did. It was kind of an interesting one, but I'll throw out a little small one that this means nothing, but it is another change for 2023. I thought I'd mention. Okay. And that is that they've increased the size of mirrors roughly by 33%. Yeah. So the mirrors are bigger. They're going to be 33% bigger this year because, you know, when they started out, they were almost like, yeah, those are kind of like mirrors, <laughs> you know, like, hey, you know, so. Uh, maybe then, uh, well, uh, you know, Mr. Stroll would <laughs> maybe, you know, use them ever. He'll have a 33% harder time explaining why he didn't see somebody. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when he pulls in front of him. That's what that means for yeah. him. So. But yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think when they, you know, when the FIA first said you got to have mirrors, they're like, fine. And they put like a posted stamp size mirror right. on the cars, you know. And they're like, right. okay, guys, they got to be this size. And they they steadily increased them. So they're 33% bigger now than they were. So good good for the FIA. You know, that's that's one change that's probably good. Another one is they did redesign the hoop after Joe's incident, you know, where the car flipped upside down. Oh yeah. And silver. So that, that yeah. hoop it has to be round now instead okay. of being square, because the way it was before it kind of, it dug in, it didn't help. It, it right. didn't do what it was supposed to do because of the shape. So now they have to be rounded, which I think is a great thing. So yeah, okay. thank God he wasn't injured. That could have been much, much worse. That accident, Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Where he was slid upside down and then was flipped into the, over the barrier into the catch fence. Again, thank God he hit the bottom of the car side against the fence and not the helmet side. But at the same time, you know, it's a great opportunity to learn things. And I think that's one case where the FIA is absolutely doing the right thing, you know, by, by yeah. saying, hey, we, you know, we can improve this. But and it's a good thing those those bars were there in the first place or he probably wouldn't have made it through that accident. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I completely um, agree. So that's a good thing. Yeah, with the Ben Salim thing. So he he's been heavily involved in Formula One, although he's the president of the FIA. Right. And as most race fans know, the FIA sanctions all sorts of races all over the world. And Formula One being the premier, but one of many different you know race race venues. So he's decided to step away from the day to day oversight of Formula One and and you know take a you know just maintain his leadership role but focusing on different aspects of the FIA and well and it is crucial to point out that the FIA is not F1 F1 is under the jurisdiction of the FIA but the FIA oversees a lot of other sports as well yeah F1 is owned by Liberty Media yeah so F1's owned by Liberty Media FIA is the governing body that governs that they've agreed to partner with right but so here's the issue, though. So at first, some people were saying, well, you know, uh, he's been upsetting people, the teams and other things, Ben Slim, by some of the comments he made about like championing Andretti coming in when the other teams didn't like it. And then the t some of the teams, you know, are used to having their way. And there were some other things that came out in the news recently, which I don't personally care too much about. 
but well, I think one of those is really interesting. Okay, and that's what I wanted to talk about. Okay, so and again, this is hearsay based on a leaked email, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the when when Liberty Media purchased Formula One, I believe they paid somewhere between two and three billion dollars for it, and then there was there's a group in the Middle East of all places where formula one is very popular, you know, we keep Mm -hmm. increasing venues there and stuff, Mm -hmm. but they said that they were interesting in buying formula one that this group might be. And they, and somebody, you know, either that group or somebody connected to that story postulated that, that, you know, with the changes in the, in the, uh, the money that formula one's making now that it's worth $20 billion. Whoa. So what happened was Ben Salim issued these emails or, you know, statements to the media downplaying the $20 billion amount. Oh, I didn't hear about this one. It's a Middle Eastern group that's wanting to buy Formula One. Somebody else says it's worth $20 billion. He's like, yeah, well, maybe it is. But the real point, if, if you know, if F1 is ever sold, if Liberty Media wants to sell it, the real point is, you know, who would buy it, what their characters, they'd have to be vetted, blah, blah, blah. So he kind of downplayed the 20 billion part. So that's like, that's like you having a, say you found a gold coin somewhere and it was, you know, in mint condition. And somebody else goes, wow, this coin is worth a million dollars. And another guy's like, well, that's not important. And what's important is the nature of the coin. And it should probably be donated to a museum. You're like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. I I want a million dollars. I get it. Yeah. So after that, you know, if you take those comments in line with the uh, Andretti thing and the rules that he put out for uh, not saying you know, like the drivers oh. uh, should not be making political statements. Yeah, I heard about that too. I forgot about that. So I watched, I watched a long interview with um, Stefano. What's his name? Domenicali. Yeah, Domenicali, where yeah. he very much didn't. It was all he could do to make it sound like that. You know, everybody at the FIA is kumbaya and holding hands, mm. but. He wanted to make it clear that as an organization, the FIA supports all of these causes that the drivers have championed last year in the in the last few years. So Stefano's comment was pretty much contradictory to what Ben Salim was saying. You know, mm. Ben's like, hey, you know, this is we should focus on sport, not on political issues. And then you got Stefano Domenicali going, you know, well, we support all these political issues. We think it's great, and drivers should have the freedom to say this. So he kind of contradicted Ben. And then you have Ben Salim taking a kind of stepping away from Formula One, saying, yeah, we always plan to do this. It honestly, to me, it seems like a, they're removing him a little bit from the day-to-day duties for a reason, and they're just mm. playing CYA about it. That's what it feels like to me. That's okay. my opinion. So it's just kind of like things are getting too hot. Let's let's just let things simmer down for a bit. And yeah, I, I think there's a chance that there's a group within the FIA that has feelings one direction and Ben Slam has feelings in a different direction, whether it's Andretti or the political the political statements, you know, in regard to F1 and that sort of thing. So, Interesting. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, without getting into the 
statements themselves. You know, like I'm just curious. It's interesting to me that there is some friction. So now you have friction within the within the FIA mm-hmm. who have been under fire ever since Abu Dhabi 2021, and and you and it has not ceased. It's and if anything, it feels yeah. to me like it's getting a little bit worse. And now you have Liberty Media mad at him. So I, if you put all those things together, we may be in for some changes because Liberty media and the drivers may, you know, again, in the not too distant past, they tried to walk away from the FIA and just have their own series that didn't include FIA oversight. Who knows where that's going to go? But I think it's, it's interesting that the FIA is not Formula One. Formula One's owned by Liberty Media. It's a commodity, and, it's, yeah. and they're making money. But the FIA kind of has a, for lack of a better word, they have a political stance in addition to an economic stance that mm. I don't know if Liberty Media does or not, frankly. Right. But, you know, it's just kind of all these things. It shows you the complex infrastructure like you and I are more interested, at least I am, and I think you are too. I'm more interested in suspension parts and side pods <laughs> and tire compounds. And you well, know, I'm more interested in what happens on track. And yeah, like that's that's yeah. what gets my my motor running. If you pardon the pun. <laughs> okay. Well, as a as a former, you know, I was a mechanic before I went to college, yeah. so and I've always worked on all my own stuff. So as a, I, I kind of like the mechanical side and the driving side, but yeah, <laughs> I've worked on cars and stuff before, and I do, I don't enjoy it, so that's not really my thing. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I love mechanical stuff. So yeah. you know, I, I do always pay attention to mechanical changes. Sure, I sure. love the technical conversations with Scarbs when he and Windsor go over stuff. Yeah, I just eat that stuff up. And it's, it's, you know, because it's interesting. You just look at the hub on a Formula One car. It's so much more complex than a hub, even <laughs> on a, a heavy duty four wheel drive vehicle. Yeah, true, true. You know, it's, and they're, you know, made with completely different materials. It's something that's really unique to racing and to Formula One in particular. So, but anyway, yeah. So that's, again, it's I, what we have. If there's a theme, if you listen to all of our <laughs> podcasts, the theme is we just wish that the bureaucracy would decrease and get more race oriented, team oriented, you yeah. know, rate and things like that. And it just seems like this bureaucracy keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and getting more and more political. And yeah, because like wh- whatever you feel about all these political issues completely aside. Right. We're all here for the sport. That's why we're here. Yes. We want to enjoy good racing from guys who are the best on the planet. And, you know, the political issues have their importance. I get that. But that's not why we're here. And right. at least for, for us on this podcast, like I like that's something that you and I talked about initially. It was like we don't want to get into all that stuff because, you know, people who are far more qualified than us can talk about that all they want. We care about the racing. We care about the technical stuff. Let's just talk yeah. about that. <laughs> and so. unfortunately, this this trend is not limited to formula one it's limited to all professional sports right now it's just a phase it's a fad phase that we're going through in sports yeah that wasn't there previously probably won't be there to the same degree in the future and 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 the reason is that politics are politics it has nothing to do with sport so if you bring anything you bring politics into you're just you're bringing a completely different discipline into sport into whatever sport it is and most people that are into sports, it's like a safe haven. It's a sanctuary away from all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the, the degree to which 
it, it sports become political is to me equal to a lack of interest. And I know people, mm. if they disagree strongly with the governing body's political statement, they'll quit watching the sport. Right. Or, or they'll lose interest in it. And that's sad. They shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. You shouldn't have to opinion. stop watching a sport because right. of some agenda, right? Like, like, come on. You know, and what it reminds me of is I know that, you know, like I, I like to attend or over the last 20 years, I've attended some concerts with the, you know, great rock and roll bands from the 60s and 70s. And one thing that always impresses me is no matter what your political views or your age, it's not uncommon at a Rolling Stones concert to see grandparents, their children, mm -hmm. and their grandchildren all singing all the words to the songs. Mm -hmm. And and you go in there and everybody is united by a love of the music, regardless mm -hmm. of you know, religious differences, political differences, economic differences, whatever. Well, and that's honestly, this may be getting a little bit too far, but that's kind of a metaphor for this podcast, too, because you and I don't see eye to eye on political things, but we don't no. care because we're not talking about politics. No, no. <laughs> talking what about we, F1. What we, <laughs> what we have chosen to agree on. Yeah, I mean, you can't agree with anybody on everything when right. it comes to those other subjects. You're never going to. So, right. You know, you live in a, we live in a, you know, for lack of a better term, a dualistic society where you have to coexist with people who have different views than you. And so you do that by focusing on what you have in common. If you're yeah. a decent human being, people who focus on things that you don't have in common are looking for arguments. Yeah. If you focus too much on the differences, then all you're going to get is conflict. And that's, you're going to wind up, and this, this is true in every aspect of life. You yeah. know, there's, and in the motorcycle world is true. You get some Harley guys that you know, they hate everything other than Harleys. And then other guys <laughs> could care less. Yeah. Like, you know, I one time a couple of Harley guys were following me and a, my buddy, and he was on a Japanese bike. I'm on a BMW. And I'm kind of like, and we were going through this small town, and we stopped for gas. And one of them stopped, and I'm like, oh, boy, here it comes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And the guy's like, hey, man, you know, are you enjoying your ride? And he goes, and I go, yeah, you know, or, you know, I'm on this being this German bike. And he goes, hey, man, we're all out there with our knees in the breeze. Right. And I just thought that was so cool. I never forgot it. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So not everybody on a Harley is like, yeah, darn rice burners, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, but and, and uh, s similar things. But even within the BMW motorcycle world, there's guys that say, if you don't have an air cooled twin, you're not a real BMW guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's it's uh, there's a term for that. I think it's <laughs> gatekeeping. It's like you yeah. you aren't allowed in because of X thing. And it's yeah. like and the, the thing is completely arbitrary and insignificant. And it's just, you know, it's annoying. <laughs> well, it is because I've always considered myself and some people get irritated with me because they'll like me because I have like a BMW. And then the next time they see me, I'm on a Kawasaki or something. Mm. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I thought I liked you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why? Because I got a different bike. You don't like me, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm an all the above guy, you know, like if it has two wheels and an engine, it's a motorcycle and I will like it in some capacity. <laughs> And so when it comes to racing, to bring this back to the topic, I think you and I want that same mentality to exist within Formula One and within racing and say, look, guys, just let's just focus on racing and let's not overregulate it. Let's not over-politicize it. And why don't you guys go straight out your problems? And if you want to argue politics, go do it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> go join go join your local government or something, and then yeah. you can argue to your heart's content. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm more inclined to hear people out on things, but yeah, I broadly broadly speaking, let's just let's just get down to racing. So, yeah. in the spirit of that. Okay. This was supposed to be a sort of rapid fire topics, but that never happens with us. So <laughs> why should it? <laughs> so I got another one here. Another another headline. This one from Race Fans. Okay. This is a quote from Lor- Logan Sargent. It's a okay. quote from Logan Sargent, who is our new American boy in F1. He's from Williams. Florida, I believe. Okay. We won't we won't hold that against him. I know, I know, the poor guy. <laughs> Uh, so here's here's the headline: F1 will overtake NASCAR as America's favorite motorsport in quotes shortly, says Sergeant. So that's kind of a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he might have. It might be true, but perhaps not for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's more due to the decline of NASCAR, not due to the resurgence of F1. But yes, I think NASCAR has, you know, ever since, let's face it, you know, uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. passed away. It mm-hmm. has decreased in and, and it's kind of a generational thing. You know, like, yeah. let, let's go back to the 80s. Formula One was more prevalent in America in the 70s and 80s than it was in the 90s. Sure. And in 2000s. So, but now. Oh, and with, coincidentally, that's when NASCAR really took off in America was the 90s. Yeah, exactly. 90s was probably mm. the pinnacle of NASCAR. So, yeah, I see this as an ebb and flow. And I think he's right. I think that NASCAR will slowly decrease in viewership and F1 is going to increase. And some people will switch, especially mm-hmm. when they realize that Indy cars and F1 cars are different. <laughs> Please, if I could beseech our listeners to do one thing, (laughs) tell every race fan you know that they're not the same car. Because if you tell somebody, I like Formula One, they're like, oh, yeah, I love the Indy 500. (laughs) Or they accidentally, they go into a sports bar and an F1 race is on. They're like, oh, I love Indy. And meanwhile, they're in like Hockenheim or Silverstone or something. (laughs) So, and it's kind of like... Okay, I, I see what you mean, and blah blah blah. But you know, it's like they are really different cars, and a lot of people are. You know, it, it is a chance to share your passion for Formula One with those kind of guys, mm-hmm. because you can tell them, oh yeah, they're really completely different cars. You know, and these cars are very, you know, they are the pinnacle of motorsport, and blah 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 blah. And and they're like, oh, interesting. Oh, you should check out an F one race sometime. Mm-hmm. You know. And so, and, you know, I think Memorial Day is a great, you know, like if you absolutely have nothing to do on that day, you can, you can get a Formula One, IndyCar and NASCAR all in one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the main kind of problem, the main kind of problem with NASCAR these days is that following the championship isn't interesting anymore because there's so many contrivances and extra rules and there's like playoffs for some reason <laughs> because, they think they need to compete with the NFL. I, I don't know. It's just, it's really are, wacky. Are, are you saying that all the rules and regulations have made it not as interesting? Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe there's something to that. <laughs> mm, are, are you listening if I so? <laughs> yeah. But no, I think NASCAR, you watch, you sit down and you watch the Daytona 500 or you watch Talladega or you yeah. watch, you know, any of these big races and they're fun. They're still fun to watch. They are. They but are. I think, I think the main, one of the main, 
reasons why people don't follow NASCAR anymore and also don't go to events in anywhere near the the droves that they used to is because of a lot of these rule changes. Yep. And because following the the season is not as interesting anymore. Because it's like, who's actually going to win? We don't know. <laughs> a guy can do great all season and not win the championship at the end of the year. Yep. yep. You know, because of the way they do it. And that's not right. And they no. kind of have done that with baseball in a way. You know, they keep changing yeah. the postseason play and you get these wild card teams and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know. Also, NASCAR hardly races at any road courses anymore or street circuits. They just race at ovals or, or tri-oval type courses. And that just gets boring. It's like that. That's like ninety really? percent plus of their of their. They don't grid. do. In, yeah. They don't do Infineon anymore. Or, or anything. they do like one or two throughout the season. And you know, okay. you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But but like they 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 basically just do like one or two like Road America maybe. Yeah. Um. Or Watkins Glen. And I like think that's it's Watkins it. Glen. Yeah. It might be Watkins like Glen. Yeah. And and like that's it, like that one, and maybe another one, and then all of the rest of them are like stadium tracks, basically. Okay. And it's just like, like there should be more variance. That's one of the things that Indy does right, and which is why I think honestly Indy is maybe more popular than NASCAR. I'd have to look at the numbers, but Indy does a pretty even split between oval courses, oval type courses, and street and road courses, and. Being able to master both of them is what makes an indie champion. Yeah. So anyway, rant over. <laughs> rant over. Yeah, I think IndyCar is popular, you know, within America. But I think NASCAR still has a larger following, if I had to guess. Yeah, you but know, Mainly because right. middle America loves NASCAR. I mean, that is the NASCAR crowd. They're not going to be as into Indy. And they're not going to be as sure. into Formula One. But... I think this year with the night race on Saturday night at Las Vegas, that is going to get a lot of attention in the media and the race media. So I have to admit, we're getting to the end of the dead season, by the way. I just have to say this because it's mm -hmm. on my mind. <laughs> the, the the testing in Bahrain is 10 days from today. 10 days. It's today's the we're recording this on Monday, the 13th of February, and the testing begins on the yeah. 23rd of February. So woo. Wow. So there wow. you go. And but also just to mention the Daytona 500 is this Sunday and I will be watching. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, our time central time it comes on at 1 and the race starts at 1:30 I think. So, Ooh, I might uh, have to catch that. On Fox, yeah. I just thought yeah. I'd let you know. So in other words, racing the racing season is starting, even <laughs> though we have to wait till March 5th or whatever for right. our first day. But hey, March is only a few weeks away. It is. Less than a month but, now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were talking about Vegas, and I was going to use that as a segue to my next topic. Cool. But, but that's okay. So another headline was, F1 is extending deal with Las Vegas through 2032. Ooh. And now on the surface, you're like, okay, wait a second. They're extending a deal before any races have happened there. What's with that? Uh, that shows the interest in that race that's been generated since they announced it. Announced or it. conversely, yeah, it's because the is because F1 kind of basically owns the track. 
they own the facilities, they own kind of everything. They just they obviously have to come up with an, a, an agreement, a deal with the city, but they like own all of the facilities. So there's no one to negotiate with on that side of things. So they're just like, yeah, we'll extend it. And if they cancel, they'd be paying themselves. So <laughs> well, some of it is probably like, look, guys, we'll put this much money into it. If you let us go this far, but if you let us go this far, we'll put this much money into it. And yeah, and then it's a venue that can be used for other things. So, you know, or parts of the track, there's parts mm-hmm. that'll obviously can't be used except on race days for formula one anyway, because they're heading down the main strip, but there's parts of it or will always be there and can be used by other forms of racing. So I think, but basically, I think it's like, uh, I think it's a kind of a combination of these things, but they must, I think the uh, result, like, you know, the interest that's been shown in this race is probably the most interest that's been shown. And this includes the drivers in any new mm. race venue that I've seen in years. In fact, I can't remember another race that has generated this much interest in a long time. I can't, I can't think of one that's ge- that's generated more only because we race at so many tracks we've been at for decades, you know? Yeah. But uh, this one in particular has gotten a lot of attention. I mean, Coda got a lot of attention too, and it's been very popular, but this is even more. This is even bigger than Coda, I think. Well, I'll also mention again, because I mentioned this, I don't know, a couple months ago on, on here, was I saw a interview from years ago of, I think it actually might have been right when Formula One was bought by Liberty Media, Yeah, where the interviewer, the, it was like a press conference after a race, and the, the guy asking the questions was like, hey, what do you want to see new from in F1 moving forward? What would you, like for the new owners, what would you like to see them do? And Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo answered, and I forget which one answered which, but one of them said, a race in Miami, and the other one said, a race in Las Vegas. So... <laughs> They've been talking about this for a while. And Ham- Hamilton has said he's looking forward to Las Vegas more than any other race in 2023. That's what he said when they did their little test. So it must there. have been him then. So it was Ricardo it, it that said been, Miami you know. and Lewis that said Vegas. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, these guys are fortunate enough to have homes around the world. So I think, sure. you know, it, it, you know, if they're, you know, the, they can be at their mansions and la or beverly hills and just you know pop over to vegas for a race so they're gonna enjoy that and Mm -hmm. yeah it's gonna be exciting i mean you know it's the it's a a party city so it's got a very vibrant atmosphere and Mm -hmm. and And especially at night racing down the las vegas strip like come on it's the first time since the 80s we've had a race that local time begins on a saturday evening so that's really interesting Mm -hmm. yeah so i think yeah i think that's gonna be interesting Alrighty, so last thing before we move on to the hot seat is we had three more team launches this week, and okay. one of them was actually literally just today, <laughs> as yeah. we're recording this on Monday. So the first one was Alfa Romeo, the second one was Alfa Tari, and the third one was McLaren. And now granted, I've said it before, I'll probably say it every <laughs> week until we get to the first race in Bahrain. We do not know what these cars are going to look like until qualifying at Bahrain. We just, right. we won't. <laughs> we they'll they'll show one thing and then they'll change it mostly because honestly they're still in development but right. also because they don't want to show their hot new thing that they think is going to win them all the races so yeah there, there's there's everybody's going to be really interested in how each team the top teams have chosen to address certain issues this year yeah so and yeah. those they have to keep that as secret as possible 
<laughs> yeah, so so the design of the car aside, we can at least talk about the liveries. And so the uh, Alfa Romeo livery was a very red and very black, very, very black livery this time, which I think is pretty cool. I, I, I liked it. I thought it looked great. Yeah. Yeah, I think it looks really, really good. But honestly, I think my favorite one so far is the new Alphatari livery. Okay. I really like that one. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it yet. I, I have to look at that. Well, I, I yeah, I absolutely love that one. And then the McLaren one is kind of an iteration on their on the previous like last year's livery. Yeah. But it's a bit shinier. It's not like a matte sort of maybe it was just the lighting of the photo. I don't know. But it looked shinier and more vibrant colors, which okay. I think is pretty cool. And there's more blue and less orange. So cool. it looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. All right. Yeah, I, yeah, we're we're gonna be seeing the liveries every week for <laughs> or every other week, yeah. you know, for a long time. But they're, they're I as again, it, it which is totally cool. But I'm I'm really interested in like what's under the bodywork. You know? Oh, I know, I know. I, I, I like a good paint job as much as the I like. Now I did like the Aston Martin last year. To me, that was the most interesting um li- livery reveal simply because it was a new team and they had the british racing green and i thought that card looked really cool <laughs> i thought they also did the green the previous year too they might have but whatever year it was first not last sure, year sure. But, but, but whatever year that aston martin came in you know i was really excited about that but mostly i find that the livery is kind of the same thing but different you know because teams want to maintain they want a car to look familiar but yeah. they do want to keep changing it and keep it modern looking. And, and and some of the paint jobs are really, they are, when you see them, you're like, wow, that's cool. And other ones, you're scratching your head a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. But I, I will ha- <laughs> I will go have a look at the AlphaTauri car later today and see yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, and then so this week, I believe all three, or is it four, remaining tr- uh, teams are launching this week. I know Mercedes and Ferrari are. Yeah. I'm not sure about it would be Aston and who's left. Uh, uh, Williams is launched. Uh, I don't know. Is it just Aston? Might be. Yeah, I think it's just Aston is left. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not sure when Aston is planning on launching, but I know Mercedes and Ferrari are launching this week. And we have a little bit of a teaser as to what their liveries might be. For instance, there was a photo that came out of Lewis and George from Mercedes, and they were in black jumpsuits, so that might be returning yes. to a black livery. Yeah, that that's I've heard that speculated where there's going to be more. It's going to be a little more black than it is. Yeah, teal, than silver, but it'll still yeah. have silver in it. It has to <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, much for yeah. A silver arrow. But and then lastly, there was a photo of Frederick Vasseur and the two drivers of Ferrari, Leclerc uh. and Sainz. And they were in the new Ferrari shirts, and they were a, at least it looks to my eye, a slightly brighter shade of red. So yeah, 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 yeah. clearly it's still going to be Ferrari red, but which shade of Ferrari red? Is it the kind of darker maroon? Well, I prefer the Michael Schumacher bright solid you know, red it, over We the might mat. be going back to that. We might. Well, if that happens, I'll be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes, yeah, I just, I like that bright red, only because I told you, like, I had a, I had a couple of motorcycles from BMW that were kind mm-hmm, of that mm-hmm. color, and I just really like that solid color, not 
the non-metallic solid. Although I like matte in some things too. That's but yeah. who knows? But what do we, you know? Nobody cares what I think. I'm an old guy. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And All right. The, anything else before the hot seat? You know, one last thing I'll just hit. It might be kind of boring at this point, but it's you know remotely interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> we've talked a lot about DRS. Uh-huh. You know, and ways to deal with it. And they are experimenting with a new DRS format, but only in sprint races this year. Oh, I don't know really? if you heard this. Yeah. So I did not hear about this at all. Uh, okay. Well, so they're going to, they're going to, you know how now anytime there's been a safety car or, you know, after a tractor is green, after it's been wet, you got to wait like a couple laps or whatever, you know, before you enable DRS. And if it's mm-hmm. a wet track, no DRS, which they're still going to do that. Mm-hmm. But with sprint races this year, it's my understanding that they're going to experiment with one lap before DRS is enabled. Oh, so like and almost immediately they get DRS. They're going to do it with the six sprint races this year and review it. And if it goes well, then they may incorporate that F1 wide in 2024. The most interesting thing to me about that is that they've still committed to DRS, even though the redesign was supposed to get away from DRS. They're, yeah. They've committed through <laughs> at least the current expectation is that they're going to have it all of this year and next year and probably moving forward. And that's I mean, there, there there could be two camps. One is to do away with DRS and the other is like, well, let's try this and see if it satisfies yeah. the problem. So who knows? They might still do away with it. But if they don't, it looks like they're going to experiment with uh, only having a one lap before they turn it back on after there's been like a safety car or whatever. Well, this is to me, this is moving in the opposite direction of doing away with DRS. To me, if they want to do it to do a proper experiment, pick one sprint race, maybe the one in Brazil, which I'm sure they're going to have this year because you can actually pass in Brazil and say, all right, the Brazil sprint race, no DRS, the whole race not happening. Well, yeah, yeah, that that's it's. And just just, just nice to see what happens, that, just to see what happens. Yeah. Well, that's what they're doing with limiting it with just one lap after an event like that. That's so that's a, they're they're experimenting, but they're going in a little slower than you or I well, would wish. Yeah. So now then another thing, I don't know if you've heard this. I'm curious if you haven't, how you feel about it. But Spa is a sprint race this year. Yeah, I was going to ask, did they publish which sprint rates are was which venues are going to be sprints? They have. They've sprint. They've published all six. Coda is a sprint. Interlagos is a sprint. Okay. Spa is a sprint. And I, and I think um, Baku is a sprint. And I can't remember the other two. One's a new. Trip, okay, Baku. Interesting. Yeah, Baku's a sprint. So that's four of the six. The other two I can't remember for the life of me. But, but probably Coda Silverstone. I would imagine. It's not Silverstone. It's not. I oh, okay. I don't. I don't think it is. Okay. So I'd have to spa look being a sprint. I honestly, I'm cool with that. I like spa more I racing at spa is, is the more spa, the better. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> so yeah. it's going to be interesting though, that they just, you know, their testing is limited on Thursday and then Friday. They've got, you know, the qualification for the sprint and the sprint quality than the race. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah. We get more, we get more racing at spa this year. So, uh, yeah. And that is unless it rains really, really hard. So, <laughs> well, if it rains yeah. too hard, but yeah, yeah, too hard. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. Yeah. Really, really hard. Yeah. So we'll see where the other ones are. Yeah. But yeah, that. But it's in Interlagos. I think that's good. Coda. That's going to be interesting. That's our neck of the woods. Well, Interlagos is Brazil, right? Is is that? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Brazil is great. Yeah, keep keep Brazil sprint every year that we have sprints. Yeah, just do that. <laughs> 
but for for us, if we, you know, I plan on attending Coda this year in 2022. Oh, yeah. My oldest son and his, he and I are going to go to it, perhaps his wife as well. So, yeah, that's the plan. So I'll be there now. Now I have to think about the tickets. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah, because okay. there will, if there's a sprint, then you want to be there for Saturday, too. I'm going to want to be there. Which is going to be even more gonna, expensive. It's going to cost me more money. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, good luck with that's that. Kinda, that's what I just realized. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyway. Let's go ahead and move on to the hot seat. The hot seat. Okay, it's my turn. It was supposed to be me last week, but I had a question for you. Yes, and now yes. It's you are in the hot seat, seat this week. And I have no idea what you're going to ask <laughs> me. So <laughs> this is always daunting. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I have a topic, a hot seat topic that I'll use in the future that has to do with trivia. Simply because we've okay. done a lot of trivia recently. So yep. to to change things up a bit. Okay. If you could shadow a driver at the height of their career for like a month, which driver would you pick and why? And you cannot uh... pick Michael Schumacher and you cannot pick Ayrton Senna. Okay? Can't pick okay. either of them. Because <laughs> those are the obvious choices, right? So neither of them. Who would you shadow? And shadow could mean you're literally just like a invisible observer and you're just kind of watching their their day to day. Or it could mean you're like shadowing someone at a job where they're like talking to you and training you the whole time. So you can kind of pick yeah. which one you want to go with for that and then pick the driver. So, man, so again, this is one of these where I wish I had one driver per era <laughs> as opposed to i have to pick an era and a driver but well you could okay you know we can do that if you've if you've got one for each era go for it well i would have loved to have shadowed jackie stewart when he was oh, at yeah. his pinnacle i would love to have watched him and and i know the racing was brutal back then yeah but i would love to have a deeper understanding of what that meant you know, as an adult and what he went through and his team, I know there was a lot of, you know, it was a crazy time. So that oh, yeah. would be interesting in that era, you know, in particular, but he's the guy that I've always admired, you know, from that, from that era that he was. in. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, I think Nikki Lauda, I was is... literally going to say Nikki Lauda. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the reason is that he was all race, you know, there's yeah. the, uh, you know, the contrast between him and James Hunt. James Hunt is not my kind of guy from a personality perspective. I'm not a playboy kind of guy, <laughs> but Nikki Lauda is like, he was just all about the racing. And so I would have loved to have seen him, you know, in the, be with him as he's in the garage at 11 o'clock midnight, working on the car, talking to the engineers. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see that. So because he was one of those Michael Schumacher guys who came in and engineered the car themselves. I mean, not entirely. He had a whole team, but he was there leading the engineering and directing it and, and being and involved. And he just in it. he focused entirely on the sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I respect that. Yeah, I you know I really do. That's like as much as I think like Kimi Raikkonen is really cool. You know. He is a little bit, you know, I'm not cool. So, yeah, you know, like, I, I, you know, like, I don't think he and I would ever be friends. You know <laughs> what I mean? But, but Nicky Lada is a guy that I think I could talk to, you know, like, because yeah. we would have similar interest in the mechanics and I could ask questions and he would want to answer because he's interested in it, you know, and things like that. Yeah. So, 
you know, I that would be a he would probably be my number one guy. You yeah. know, I just really respect him as a person and as a racer. And you know, but the other person that I would want to shadow is not a driver. I would love to shadow Steve Matchett from the Benetton era. He oh. was the head mechanic for Benetton. Interesting. During during the season where Michael Schumacher just started, but I he's written some books that I've read. I oh, love his yeah. writing style. Yeah. I loved him as a commentator. He has the Mechanics Tale great yeah. book. He was my favorite commentator when Speed, the Speed Channel covered Formula One before it went to NBC here in America. Um, and I just miss him. You know, I don't get to hear it. I don't know that he's doing anything in broadcasting right now. Um, but he's, I just love his take on things. And he was the head mechanic. And I would love to just be in the garage and, and watch that Benetton team from that era in the, in the early nineties, mm. you know, um, uh, build, build that car and just what they went through. That's when Jules Verstappen was their driver. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, that was that era. Uh, Max's dad. So that you know, that's kind of where I think I would want, but I'd want to be in the garage on my third one. And then, you know, so I don't know if I, in the modern era, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'd have to think more about it. Yeah. But I I think I would just kind of go there. Those are the ones that I, I would really, I've always kind of even felt like, gosh, I wish I could have known them. I would love to have been like, it makes me want to be there when I hear them talk. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can't think of anybody beyond, you know, beyond that era that I've had that feeling about. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just go, go with those, but those three. So yeah, yeah, that's who I would pick and why. Now I have to ask you, what about you? <laughs> if I had to pick one over everyone else, yep. it would be probably like you said, Nikki Lauda. A close second though is Kimi Raikkonen. I love Kimi so much. Okay. <laughs> so Kimi in like the mid two thousands, that would be ah, oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah I can that see that. That would be that. amazing. But cool. Cool. Alrighty. Well, anything else before we wrap it up? No, I'm again. I'm looking. We're getting close, Matt. Yep, <laughs> we're getting close. Ten days till testing. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> ten days till testing, and then yeah. not that much longer till our first race. So, yeah. and we got Daytona next next Sunday. So we got racing starting in less than a week. Six nice. days. Nice. <laughs> so I'm excited. Alrighty. Alrighty. Well. That'll be it for us for today then. So we will be back in one week's time with an as yet undetermined topic. So until then, thanks so much for listening and take care of yourselves.